Hey friends, Yeti Blanc here. I just put out my first single, Pirate Radio Anthem, written and recorded by me, produced by SUI Award winner Andrew Streeter. You can get your copy today at YetiBlanc.com. That's YetiBlanc.com. Sing for freedom until they You are listening to Yes, Maybe, No with Andrew Streeter Uh, and Yeti Blanc. Although I'll never unsee those nine-year-old prosthetic boobies. And special guest, Jeremy Taché. That's special to cherish. Is this show the best? Yes, Maybe, No! Welcome back to another episode of Yes, Maybe, No. I'm Yeti Blanc. I am Andrew Streeter. And today we'll be picking up right where we left off last week, discussing Foo Fighters with our friend Jeremy Taché. So let's get started with Fighting Foo Part 2. So we're going to go album by album and list off like our two favorite songs. Kind of quick hits, but if we if we get, you know, jump down a rabbit hole, we, we know that happens. So starting with the Foo Fighters self-titled album from 1995. My two are Alone and Easy Target and Ecstatic. Because I, I listed all these out leading up to Medicine at Midnight, the week leading up to mm. it. I, uh, I went through all the albums and, and, and I tweeted out every night two favorite songs from two albums per night all the way up until that Friday when Medicine came out. But So last week I was listening through and I was like, uh, th- this one might change my list a little bit, but it, uh, Old George. Yeah. And it's because I realized, I looked at the name of the song, it's just I just never paid too much attention to it. I was like, this is Old George. And he has this sliding guitar solo in it yep. that I really feel is a tribute to George Harrison. Absolutely. Maybe it's not, but I fit to me. It in is. my brain it is. Yeah, in and, my brain it is. And I was like, that might that might make my list. It, it hasn't nudged its way on on is in my top two yet because I've always loved Alone Easy Target and Ecstatic so much. But those are my two. Um, Jeremy, go. Those are both great. Um, the two I have on my list are Oh George, specifically for the reason you just mentioned. But also, it's just, I mean, it's it's just a really cool song. Like I listened yeah. to it. When I was listening to it, I was just feeling like it felt unique for what it was, right? Like the way that it was constructed, it felt pretty unique. And then I love Big Me. Um, I know, you know, single, but I just think it's it's such a well-produced song for this record in particular, right? Because I mean, this record was, like you guys said, kind of sloppily put together. And I think the, the parts in the song are really cool. And just those droning acoustic guitars off the beginning, like I just think, I think it's a really pretty song as well. So um, for me, th- those are kind of my two favorite. It's a jangle pop paragon. Like it's a, it's kind of a perfect song, honestly. Yeah. So Andrew, what are your favorites from from the debut album? So I like that we, uh, you know, appear to be trying to avoid uh, singles. <laughs> Not at I all. I want to try because I don't want it to be as obvious that I'm a novice at this as I am. So I'm gonna always try to have something. I one thousand percent avoided avoided singles because I feel like those are are you know. Yeah, they're freaking great. I like, you know, I think we're all in like, you know, I don't think there's a single that I hate of theirs. But my legit favorite songs on this record are probably Good Grief and Floaty. Good Grief just has that like, it's like a, it's a rocker, but it has like the, that like the lead behind it, which is also like the hook is like chill and like flowing, but it's also like rocking at the same time. Like it's, it is a perfect, uh, tasty treat that I adore. And floaty starts with that acoustic little intro, and then the and then the <laughs> that's one hundred percent accurate. You're, if you were wondering, that's not actually the guitar from that song. That was Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's Cletus the slack jaw yokel the in the back. <laughs> but like to me, what makes him an effect? One of the many reasons that makes one of the many things that makes David such an effective songwriter is the, the his exploration of dynamics. This is like the, one of the earliest ex- explorations of that. Cause the first few songs are like just banging all the way through. Like I'll stick around. It's just like four minutes of that. Oh my God. And um, they're just beating you over the head with intensity. But like floaty has like some really nice dynamic shifts, which they really get into in the next record, obviously just going from the loud, soft, loud, soft. And I think that, uh, yeah, floaty is a great early example of that. 
Um, Andrew, go ahead and take us on on the next, uh, get us started on the next album, The Color and the Shape from 1997. Color and the Shape. So my favorite song on that record, which is so hard to choose. Like my favorite song probably like ever is Everlong, which I know it's cliche and terrible, but like it's, it's unimpeachable and perfect, but that's not what I've listed here. Right after you said you weren't going to choose any of the songs, <laughs> I didn't. you say my favorite song it's, ever is see, Everlong. Uh, that's why it's not, it's not even, it's not even in this conversation. We're not talking about, so like. Fair. I've ex- I've excluded Perfect. it because it's on its own. He said that's his favorite Foo Fighters. It's my song. favorite Foo Fighters. Period. Song. It's on its own it's tier. Right. Mm. Hey Johnny Park. Okay. <laughs> hey Johnny Park. Yeah. Okay. Zagaki. So Hey Johnny Park man has some of the most beautiful lyrics of like any song, any like modern rock song, especially in the second verse where he he says eyes that can change from blind to blue. You are my brother. That's yep. <laughs> man. It's an that, unbelievable line. <laughs> That freaking kills me every time I hear it. And then, of course, that's the loud soft, loud soft. Fun fact about Hey Johnny Park. People ask, why do you call it that? It's because he had a childhood friend named Johnny Park that he had lost touch with. Again, 90s, the internet wasn't around yet. And he wondered if he had been following his career. And so he just wanted to name a song Hey Johnny Park just to say hi to his friend. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. And then uh, my second favorite would be February Stars. Nailed it. (laughs) You guys are unbelievable. Which is the lead up to Everlong. It's so delicate and and beautiful on the buildup and then just hits you over the head with the anthemic beauty of the the ending there. So good. Uh, Jeremy, go. I just have to say Monkey Wrench, then put it out there that it's great. I just think it's a flawless pop rock song. And it's like, it's not pop rock in like the actual sense of the term in that way. It's like a real rock song. But the pop melody there is, it's great. And it also sort of, and you can take this however you want to take this, but it feels like the reason every band that sounds like Simple Plan and Bowling for Soup exists. (laughs) Um, Totally. you You can take that is a good thing or a bad thing we can be excited that those bands existed we could be depressed that those bands existed but this song monkey wrench i think is the reason why they existed it might Um, you might be right (laughs) so i just think it's it's so catchy the pacing of it i think there's something to be said about feel like all that happens here it almost feels like what dave Grohl does in his songwriting process is he takes a song writes this melody originally writes this beautiful song that every single one of them is going to sound like one of those old school nirvana ballads and then does the thing that happens in that thing you do where they're like move up the tempo a bunch and play Play the drums. No, it's about and then and then and it's like, yeah, no, it's about no, but it's not. And they turn into these unbelievable pop rock songs. And it sort of feels like he writes these like haunting ballads that he then just sort of speeds up and they become these perfect, you know, these perfect pop songs. Um yeah. and so Monkey Wrench is one of those. I also think that ironically it happens mid-song in this, but I think Up in Arms is also great. I, I think that it's got that really cool sort of waning sound and the and the chord structure of that song is super, 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 super Lennon. Yeah. And just the, the the chords that he builds it around and then the you you know, on the back half when it speeds up a bit to me and it, Andrew, you mentioned listening to them at the same time, but it, the sort of like doo-wop pop rock of Green Day is sort of what the back end of that record sounds like. And so then playing stuff that sounds similar to that at the same time, it's just, it's another song that sort of shows their versatility within the song and then putting it right in the middle of the record. So I think it's, I think it's amazing. So my favorite two on that album are the same as Andrew's, pretty much for the same reasons too. Uh, hey, Johnny Park and February and February starts. That's hilarious. It's funny because Andrew and I've never had this discussion. We didn't share this list with each other. Correct. The uh, but Hey, Johnny Park for the same reason. Eyes that can change blind to blue. As, mm. as soon as the first, I rem- I was driving to Atlanta, or I was on a, I wasn't driving, but I was in a car uh, with some with some people from church on the way to Atlanta uh, for a church trip we were taking. When I when I first really dove into this album, so I remember where I was going down I-85 and that line hit me eyes that can change from blind to blue and I was like Mm. This is so- something that's cool. I've, I hadn't even considered start writing songs at that point, but I think in my head, I was like, this is the type of song I want to be able to write. So, uh, but yeah, and then February Stars, I, it's the first recorded instance that we have of a ballad by Dave. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we get Walking After You later in the album. You mean, you could argue maybe Up in Arms is, but that's not really it, because of the way it speeds up at the end and everything. But February Stars, it's like it's first real and like it's it's okay. Like there's some, there is a new, there's a whole other layer to Dave and his song writing here uh i will say after this uh, about this album my wife i've never seen the foo fighters live my wife has 
she saw them uh within a year of this album coming out in nebraska where she grew up wow and uh she has dave has ever forever earned her respect because um during that performance there you know in the pit up front you know people were moshing around and, and stuff and a girl had her shirt ripped off and the dudes were being pretty rude about that and dave stopped the concert and like rebuked the guys and were like this is not okay hey you know cut it out and he and he took his shirt off and gave it to her and oh that's amazing and my wife was like oh and of course of course this is the album that dave cut his hair and people saw that uh, okay dave's actually a good looking dude you know yeah <laughs> and, and uh, there's video of howard stern like oh like just completely like wow you're really handsome fellas <laughs> so funny <laughs> during, during that tour um but yeah so uh hey johnny park and february stars uh i'll kick us off on, or no jeremy kick us off on there's nothing left to lose oh <sighs> okay so um god i hate i'm gonna go with singles here do um, it dude Go for it. There's no shame in that. For me, I'm just going to do it. And and you know what? You're welcome because now people won't be mad. I'm going to go back and mention, how did we not say my hero on the color? And oh, shape? man. Like we just didn't. Because it's on the it same level. It's on the same level as ever. Right. It's one of those. Right. So I think I'm going to mention some of those for you. So the ones that are in another stratosphere for you guys, I can touch. Um, <laughs> so learn to fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. It's a perfect song. There are no flaws. And you guys can obviously I would I would love you to add to this this conversation on Learn to Fly. But to me, I think that it might be uh I don't want to say it's like a turning point in Dave's songwriting because obviously like between My Hero and Monkey Ranch and all these other songs that were on the previous record, it was already great. But there's something about Learn to Fly that like, it's the type of song that the instant you hear it, you're like, oh, that's one of the great songs. Yeah. Period. Like you just, it's from front to end, you know? He, he just continually elevate his ability. Like you get to grow with Dave as you go on these, on these journeys and listen to their album. Yeah. That's what's really fun is like hearing the growth of a young songwriter who was reluctant to, to write to begin with is really, really, really interesting. And so when you finally start to kind of get in that groove, I mean, I think in a lot of young songwriters, this is the interesting part is like a lot of them kind of fake it at first, right? So like we were talking, I think, it, yeah, it was before we started courting about Taylor Swift, which is a completely different element of songwriter, but she, I mean, a great songwriter in her own right. And yeah, however you feel about her, uh, faked it at the beginning. She wasn't a country artist, but that was the kind of genre that was the most relatable for her to get in. And then she went too far pop and then found it. What's so interesting is like Dave knew exactly what the sweet spot was. It, it was continuing with this grunge, you know, heavy rock type of thing, but he was a new songwriter. And so he's getting out these stories and these melodies in music that he's just comfortable with. And it kind of felt like Learn to Fly was the first time that he really, at least to me and listening to these songs, like challenged himself to write something that was that level. Um, and then the other song that I'll just throw in there uh, just for fun, because the opening riff reminds me exactly of closing time is next year. It's exactly the same. And I just think, it, I just think that's funny. So I'm going to let you <laughs> let you guys throw other. Can we talk about next year, actually? You know what it reminds me of more than that yeah. is, is just like every Britpop song from like the late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Like if someone like asked me what my favorite Oasis song was, I'd say Next Year by Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear go, I am in the sky. You're tonight. totally right. Yeah. It's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You get it. It's perfect. It, it's like the way that that, yeah, it mimics all of those. And I don't know why he did it, but he did. And I, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll appreciate it for being. Now I want one of the Gallagher's to cover that song because it would fit in perfectly with that whole vibe. Um, okay, so my favorite songs, um, when I was tweeting about this, I initially put um, Headwires, but that was because for some reason I, I've, I missed out on Gimme Stitches. Gimme Stitches is uh, one of my favorites on there. I, I love Headwires just because the, the chorus better than a bullet being fired. I'm a big sucker for alliteration, but it really is Gimme Stitches. The way it's it's a Southern rock, you know, but the song doesn't feel Southern rock at all. Like the way he's able to mix that in there is really really cool but just the, the way that whole strong structures together and and progresses i love it um but then stacked actors it wasn't one of my favorites to begin with but then i saw them perform on saturday night live and i actually they they that was the first song they they played on that performance that's when it caught me i was like oh wow this this song is really really cool and it was really mm -hmm. funny because dave's left foot would not like like it is like on a pogo stick it's calmed down a lot in the years <laughs> but during this performance it was just like it was like he had a trampoline for that foot <laughs> that era it was always dave's leg was going 
on every on the downbeat. <laughs> stacked actors, you guys. It's amazing. Let's talk about the context of stacked actors for just a half a second. So this leads off this record, which by all accounts is following up a multi-platinum, huge, unbelievable success of the color and the shape. There's probably a lot of pressure on them to make a, a solid follow-up. They come out here with a drop A psychedelic like metal song right out of the gate. Yep. <laughs> And they're just like, you know who uses drop A? Like corn and like Sepultura. Right. <laughs> like, you, you know what? It, fe- it feels like his first, it feels like the first tip of the hat that you hear back from Dave back to his scream days. Yeah. But you, it breaks up, he breaks up the, you know, the bombast of like the intro and the choruses with like this like smooth, like almost like bossa nova kind of vibe going on in between with like, it's like a psychedelic, like something you'd hear out of, out of out of like the Ocean's 11 soundtrack. Like there's so much going on in that song and it's so fun live. It's an unbelievable song live and they play it every show. Is that one of your two Andrew? It is not. My two are Generator and Aurora. So Generator mm, you've yeah. got like the incredible lick it's the talk box it's the only song they ever use a talk box on but he loves peter frampton and that's his shout out to <laughs> to peter frampton um it's such a such a good rock song but then aurora is like explosions in the sky before explosions in the sky almost but with like words you start hearing that uh delay pedal working and the textures building all around it and uh what a ballad no that's great Great, great, great. Um, next album is One by One from 2002. Um, Andrew, kick us off there. Man alive. Okay, so I will say this. this The front half, like the first five songs on this record are like... It might have been my favorite stretch of listening to all of this. It was just the beginning of this record. My two, again, we, we're elevating times like these on the Mount Rushmore, so I can't pick that. So I'm picking Have It All and Disenchanted Lullabies. Oh, Disenchanted Lullabies. <laughs> this, so this, it's good. put together so well. <laughs> I can't. How does he like make like these freaking bangers like pretty too? You know, right? I know that he is screaming his guts out, but it's like this is still a beautiful, like gorgeous. I don't think my mom would be disturbed by this one at all. No, you know? right? My mom loves the Foo Fighters, dude. Like unabashedly, mine does not. But yeah, <laughs> but man, going back to have it all, just uh, riffage, man, riffage. This is the first Chris Shiflet record. You can really hear his uh, his uh, prowess. He's an unbelievable lead guitarist. He compliments them so well in so many different ways. And this is definitely like a shiftlet song where you're hearing like all of the noodling going on beneath. None of it sounds out of place. It's all right in pocket. Everybody knows their role and they're playing this live in the studio too. So like there didn't really, the only overdubs he did were vocals. So like it's, this has like a really raw, like almost, almost like overdriven quality to like all of the, if you've noticed that listening to it, um, Every one of these songs does because all the instruments are bleeding yeah. into each other's mics. And so it's like, it sounds like these dudes like, you know, really well rehearsed playing in a basement. And that's what they did. One one by one is my favorite drumming album of all of theirs. Like, like the drum parts on this are the ones that I'm like, I'll air drum to any of them, but this one get like, I feel, I feel it's just like next level. There's a B side on this called walking a line that should have made it on this record. You guys, it's like one of the catchiest Foo Fighter songs of all time. And it's a crime that it never made it on a record. And so, riffy and meaty and oh, i love it anyway i would have picked that i would have picked <laughs> so, it if it were on the record <laughs> my favorite two are are all my life or uh, all my life that one like I've, I've talked to andrew about this for a long time is that you could take the intro tracks for all of these albums and blow almost any other album out of the water absolutely yeah they know how to sequence a, an album especially when it comes to the opening track but uh, so all my life that one it, it just it's just incredible rock song Andrew, i remember your band covering this and I, I go to one of your shows and here i am you know i'm six years older than andrew you guys are like 2002 or 2000 uh yeah two so you were 16 we're 15 right? and 16 yeah. um 15 and 16 Wow, and uh, but this would have been it would have been a little bit later because you guys had gotten good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's been okay. Jeremy, my band gave That's Andrew An- Andrew opened up for my band's pretty much our final show, and it was our very first show. The leap that they made in the next year was incredible. I was like, oh crap, these guys are better than us now. That's <laughs> uh, amazing. I didn't know that story. So yeah, so I'm at this uh, one of their shows in one of the places in either High Point or Greensboro, North Carolina, and they play all my life, and it's 
it's filled with people they go to high school with. So other, you know, 15, 16, maybe some 17 year olds and then some friends from church that were friends with uh, Andrew's sister. This is a pretty packed house, actually. I remember this show when you, you start swinging your shirt over your head. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I am large. They're all still haven't hit their growth spurts. They're like five six, five seven. I'm six one at this point, uh-huh. and they're all standing there like, okay, cool, music, music, and they're they're playing all my life, and I am jumping over all. You're of going them. absolutely swing, nuts. Swing my shirt. I'm like, I'm the dad in the crowd who's just way overexcited for his boys' band. You know? Oh my god, that's and, uh, amazing. Yeah. We did a pretty faithful adaptation of that as well. Like you did, and because I remember trying to sing along, and I couldn't, and I was impressed that you could I almost passed out um, during the die, die, <laughs> you maniac <laughs> well you start your right hand and your left hand are playing those droning chords that just open as hard as you can and then you're screaming that at the top of your lungs like trying to stay in tune and so you feel all of the oxygen leave your body at once and my and my every time my head would like start like swelling and I'm like how am I gonna finish this <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's, it's all my life in disenchanted lullaby. Yeah. Andrew and I are on the same page there. Mm. Um, uh, Jeremy kick us off with in your honor, um, disc one and disc two, I have two for each, uh, each disc. Yeah. Me too. Two for each side. Oh God. I didn't even think to do that. Okay. Okay. Just go with what you got. So to me, um, I love DOA. Yeah. That's on mine. Yeah. DOA is on mine. That's that's the first. Oh, we all found three. the trifecta. The first folks. Look at that! Ding, ding, ding. Look at us uniting. There it is. Well, if you guys, obviously you guys can add to it, but to me, what a chorus! Yeah, but I'm a sucker for a catchy verse too. You know what I mean? Yo, you know I did it. It's over and I feel fine. Nothing you can say is gonna change my mind. My favorite lyrics on the on the record are on are in that song, which is "Dancing with the Bones of My Buried Past." So freaking good, Dad Gummit. Carry on, Jeremy, though. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. It's so all DOA. Good. So, so I have DOA, and I'll actually go back because I have a feeling you guys won't. I- I'll actually say In Your Honor, the title track, <gasps> which to me, and this is weird, and that it strangely reminds me of Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, which is a strange thing to say. Even though this came out before then, it's not It's not strange. <laughs> I know it did. I know it did. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's just I'm putting them in a... You know how you can like... Familial. Yeah, Absolutely. there's like certain people will end a record a certain way and there's like, you know, everybody had... Like there's multiple people with the same type of way that they've ended a record with some sort of slow song that then builds up to be something big and magical. And you could put them all on a playlist and you'd be like, ah, it's the same song. Right. I sort of feel that way about In Your Honor and Welcome to the Black Parade, that they're of the same... Yeah, they're like cousins in some way. Jeremy, I got to tell you, I have a deep and abiding appreciation for Gerard Way and for that yeah. band. And you probably would agree that there's no My Chemical Romance without Foo Fighters. Absolutely. One of the things I like about the way Dave writes too is a lot of his songs feel like you're going through an old NES video game. Like you're playing Mega Man mm. or or something <laughs> like that. Like it feels like you're going through the different stages of each level. Um, and, but this album, especially disc one on this album feels the most like that. Like I feel you can visualize each segment of the song and it feels like a, a different segment of a video game. So, um, but, but mine, uh, best of you. Oh, it's per- It's so good. It I did didn't ch- mention it only because I didn't want to be basic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's a Pantheon track, right? Again, it's You're a welcome. whole other plane. Yeah. It, well, that's what I thought. It's in that whole other stratosphere yeah, thing. Well, it, it just means too much to me. Those lyrics, because you can take them two different ways. You could take it as, so, are you getting got, you know, is someone getting the best of you, like taking the best of you for, for granted and, and using you, or are you giving someone your best? Like, you know, I, I'm not saying that he means either one of those, but like, sometimes I'll ask myself that question. Like, is my wife, am I giving her the best? Is she getting the best, the best of me, the best version of me? If not, I need to fix that. You know, that music video, just a quick aside the guy that directed it he's the, it's the only time they've worked with him I can't, I can't his name escapes me but i remember usually they they're just total goofballs in their music videos this is like their only like serious music video really this one has like all of like these like crazy images like it's like an image collage between like there's like words and images and then it's them playing and it's like it's really intense and it's really incredible the guy that did it his whole like brain work he lost his wife to suicide like weeks before they uh, filmed this video Holy and they cow. put it together. And like, you really feel that dude's like grief coming through 
this work. Dave didn't know about any of it, you know, beforehand. And he just, he took the job and, you know, then he like kind of opened up to him after they, they had filmed and like, so he's like, you know, let me know if this is like too intense for you. And he like, he's like, this is incredible. <laughs> this is super amazing. But going back and watching that video, like through that lens is like, is pretty, um, is pretty intense and, and great. And that's what I love about art. <laughs> this song is this screaming song. Like, but like when you get into the lyrics, like it can almost bring me to tears. Like, it's just that it's, oh, it's just so that. Vulnerable. Yeah. And it's just that, yeah, it's just that emotional. Like it's just how raw he is pouring everything out in that song. I, I love it. I love it so much. Also, in the uh, the bridge when they're going oh during that part, you can also just cue that right into um who could it be now from Oh, geez. Um, so I always, for ruining that I always for tie those two together when I'm just singing in my head. Yeah, you just ruined one of the great songs of all time. Oh, Jeremy. Now, did I really? Yes, maybe, no. Yeti, you're really good at that, by the way. He'll message me <laughs> and know, he'll be like, oh, by the way, when you're listening to this, what did you say about Disenchanted Lullabies? Like just a couple weeks ago, he messages oh, me and he's a- like, <laughs> oh, it was no. the dip. The dip is the funky town line for- that they use on the dip. Like during the during that Why? intro that yeah, you can hear. No way. Why would you tell us that? He does Dude. this all the time. It's his it's his uh curse. He just hears this stuff yeah, and then uh, shares uh, it with me. Yeah, it's uh, a gift and a curse. So all of our church hymns are so many church hymns end with that boo doo. But it's all it's boo, it's blue moon. So I'll tell my friends oh, I'm like, okay, no. every and they never they can never feel the spirit in church again because <laughs> because all they're thinking is at the end of this song, it's my other song on that album is doa we've already talked about that yeah, um, yeah. uh andrew yeah so doa that's our first uh one where all three of us got it on our list and then the other one is comes right out of it is hell that's a short song yeah mm. i freaking <laughs> love that song so much <laughs> i it's really good love it that's all I gotta say about we'll it. We'll gather around the fire. Oh, dude, <laughs> I I love that song. But ding 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 ding. Okay, and then so that's yeah. those are the two on the rock record. On the on the acoustic record, my favorite ones are "What If I Do" and "Over and Out." "Over and Out" is probably my favorite song on the whole record, actually. I've got a special experience with "Over and Out" with you, actually. So this album, this came out your senior year of high school, Andrew. If I remember right, you graduated '05. I did. Yep. Um, it was, uh, so it was the youth conference, um, this church conference that, that we went to. It was Andrew's final year as well as my brother's. And I was chaperoning because I'm that much older. Um, but I, I orchestrated where I could be a chaperone really just so I could hang out with my brother and Andrew because we You're were right, playing, we were playing in the talent show the next day. Um, but I went upstairs and what a had you, you even met live. Bradley at that point? I knew Brad. Yeah. Okay. You, you knew him beforehand. Yeah. But y'all, y'all had never done anything musically. Like y'all had never no, jammed. Your brother's a very correct. reserved guy, you know. Like he didn't, wasn't ever really like. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> but so I, I, I finally break away. I get the people I was in charge of settled in, and then I ditch them and and go, go find Andrew. And I walk in. I, I hear them playing from the room that they're in, and I was like, okay, cool. And they're playing over and out, and it sounded so good. And this is really only like a couple months, or maybe a few weeks after this album came out. This is like two or three weeks after the album came out. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't put that as one of my favorite songs on disc two. That song has a special place for me just because it was like, I was like, oh, it's happening. Me and my, my pal, Andrew, and my, my brother, who I was currently writing songs with um, at that time under the name, The Fighting Gallagher is like, they're making music together. This is really cool. You know, so but yeah, cool. music was happening and it was, it was just, it just, it was just a perfect little musical moment in my life. I'll, I'll always remember, but carry on. Sorry to interrupt. No, man, that's amazing. That's special to cherish. I had totally forgotten about that but now you've totally flooded that back into my brain and it was really cool 
Thank you. And now Andrew's crying. A little bit. Andrew's tears are brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Also, the other one is what if I do? He D- Dave is on the record of his love of the beaches of North Carolina, of the Outer Banks. When he was a kid, yeah. he and his mom used to drive down there. And um, that chorus, you know, the secondary chorus to it, I mean, he's just, you know, Carolina, Carolina. It makes me miss home. But those are my two, over and, over and out. And what if I do? Um, Jeremy, did you have any from disc two? I know you, you didn't necessarily plan on that. I didn't plan on it, so I don't have specific ones. But I will say, uh, I re- I mean, Virginia Moon is so pretty. Oh, like, it's such yeah. a pretty song. It's and such Nora a Jones pretty is song. So sweet. God, she's amazing. Something that I just realized that's kind of crazy is that she featured on this record and then a decade later made a record of covers of a folk band from the 50s with Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day. It's amazing. So she's done records with two like I, I don't want to say like punk rock legends but I, whatever they are whatever billy joe armstrong and whatever you would describe billy joe armstrong and dave Grohl as yeah she's done duets with both of them and that's interesting to me she's, she's so rad, rad, dude yeah she's she is so cool. so cool yeah um so my two are miracle just it's just listen to it it's obvious and then cold day in the sun because it now taylor is singing that one taylor hawkins sings that one i don't know if he helped write it or yeah anything. oh it's so pretty it's, it's george harrison yeah he wrote it that it's is, so george it is it's george so harrison george. Too. And, and and like i've just always when i first heard it, i was like this is george and mm-hmm. and i love it and they, they, they it's just it's wonderful i hear bruce on this song oh do you how, how interesting when it hits the chorus especially because this is the first record that they have um now full member rami playing on it and you hear like the organ right with, with the, the keys the yeah, force the, the, the organs you're right in the sun. i hear uh-huh. i hear east street band well no matter what that's a pretty good recommendation yeah uh, yeah it's either the east street band or george harrison or the traveling yeah. wheelbarrows you know it's it's a <laughs> yeah. mixture of all of them <laughs> um echo silence patience and grace jeremy kick us off all right so i'm no longer afraid to uh don't take, be. take the bangers. So we're going to start with The Pretender. So freaking good. Okay. So that's the first Foo Fighters song I ever heard. But yeah. So that, no, was, your, no. that was your intro. That was your intro. That's to the my intro is The Pretender. Yeah, what my an intro. intro. <laughs> which is crazy looking back that that's the intro. But really, and, and something that I realized that I'm going to just admit, sort of embarrassing, but I realized that so much of my knowledge of the Foo Fighters just is strictly because of the game Rock Band uh, and, and Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, and it that okay. was what really introduced me, though. And so, like, The Pretender was a gigantic song. And I just think that, like, I mean, it's it's gargantuan. Like, it's just, it's a massive, massive song that I'm not sure they had done anything like that to that point. I don't know if he's come on record or not, but like, it feels like just their answer to George Bush. Yeah, well, yes. Yes. Um, Alan Cross is this radio host in um, in Canada, and he often brings up that like, some of the best music comes towards the end of a Republican presidency when everybody's really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. And I think this kind of fits. I mean, it was really, this album came out in 2007 and i you know maybe it's not but it feels like it definitely fits the feeling of it for sure and i just think that it is you're right it's it's a perfect way where it, it's a song that's not so overtly political but the video feels it the video is straight up yeah but exactly and so yeah. that's where it's like somebody could listen to it and not have to think about any of that and that that is where i think some of those songs are actually at their best is when they're not as overt um and so i think that that's what the pretender does so well but i think like to that point like i had written i had made little notes for all of this and i had said that like times like these actually weirdly reminded me of a song like that like paul mccartney and wings would do um in the way that it was made and to me it was like the most complete like there's a bunch of different parts in terms of like the the you know the music or whatever and it's just this this big gigantic thing that you can't escape and that's kind of what the pretender feels like to me where it's just it's this giant song that no matter who you are and yet even in the midst of just the mayhem that is that song it's a really really catchy catchy hook like just straight up it is catchy well and you guys yeah you guys hear the eleanor rigby in the intro right you hear the strings and the i've never even thought of that man that's such a good point i've never even even thought of that think of that you could if you told me that someone wrote that song this after your memorial day this past year i'd Mm -hmm. believe you oh yeah it would fit it's it's you know um but yeah no pretender is awesome what's your second one uh can we talk about statues yeah what a weird what a how why (laughs) why did they do a paul mccartney piano pop song in the middle of this record yeah man (laughs) it makes no sense and it's terrific 
It's really, really good. I like it so much. I had not ever heard it until a few hours ago, and I like it a lot. Very good. <laughs> it was what it just it caught me so by surprise uh, because it doesn't sound like so much of what they had done to that point. And it's just yeah. like a really, really fun song. So it's interesting talking about this record because when you think about the context of what came before this, they hadn't really ever done anything like acoustic or orchestral or anything other than just, you know, rock instrumentation up until this, the previous record in your honor. And by doing delving into those things, Dave especially felt like, well, we have to separate them, right? We have to have first half is this, this is what you're used to. Second half is everything else, all this delicate, you know, acoustic guitar stuff. And this is where they're fine. This record is where they're finally like, why do those things have to be mutually, mutually exclusive? You know, um, let's combine them and have these elements have all these elements, you know, playing with each other. And sometimes it works really well. And other times it doesn't work as well, but it's still like you admire the, you know, the, uh, him, them embracing that, you know, um, it sounds like a band maturing really like getting older and not in a bad way. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I, the, I, so speaking to that, I love summer's end a lot. I think that's such a, it's like a yeah. really like got that blues riff, but like where it really shines is when it gets into that guitar solo, yeah. that whole section of the guitar solo and going into the, going into the. Well, that whole progression, the way it matches into the chorus is really, really cool. Like it's just, it, it does it. it they're, they're fairly opposite, but they tie in so well together. Yeah. Great song. That song also feels like home, but he's also singing about Virginia, so <laughs> yeah. that helps. But. The other one for me would be Stranger Things Have Happened. Oh, the vocal performance on that song is incredible. He's it's just one mic. It's one mic in that room. It's one microphone in his in yeah. So you it's hear really? him winding up the metronome, because that's his percussion, and then it's and then he plays and sings at the same time in one microphone. There's the overdub for the um he did one overdub. It was for the the guitar licks. And I think that was actually Chris Shiflett that overdubbed the, you know, acoustic guitar solos like over top of it. But that song was just him solo, like a microphone in the middle of a big room, big tracking room. Like one of those little like rare, like live recordings from a bookstore that you would download on LimeWire. Well, no, think (laughs) think Talk Tonight, Yeti, by by Oasis on their Master Plan record. Yeah. Yeah. What a great comparison. So, yeah, those are my two favorites so mine are the pretender we've covered that one a lot and then let it die <laughs> it's just dynamics man again the, yeah the dynamics the way and, and just the guitar the ongoing guitar riff on that just the way it just, it just it drills and drills and drills i just I, I love it so much let's see on to wasting light from 2011 so this is a four-year gap between echo silence patience and grace and wasting light i'll kick that one off and and my two favorites are rope and arlandria the guitar riffage on rope is is just so just wonderful the way it just relentless yeah relentless is a great is a great way to put but it also intricate i mean it's everything that's on my list as well and you hear the rush like hear rush yeah. in there a lot especially in taylor's drumming like you you really like hear hear neil pert playing on that song for that <laughs> And then Arlandria, there's just for something about when, when he um, when he sings "My Sweet Virginia." There's some a live performance. Mm. I can't remember where it's from that I've seen on YouTube. He hits his chest when he gets to that part, and like I, I re, I, I'm assuming he's singing about his mom at that point. I'm not exactly sure, but so I was like, "Oh, moms are awesome. I love moms." <laughs> but like <laughs> lyrically, that's a fun song. That the guitar riffs are great. Um, yeah. So those are the two that really hit home for me. Uh, Andrew, go. So rope is on my list for all the reasons you said. Um, and then these days, which I feel like. I know that they released that as a single. I've heard that in a couple different places. It's not like as popular as their other ones, but really like that is, I think it's like very, if it's not in the Pantheon, it's pretty close to it in terms of just uh, essence of Foo Fighters in one song, you know, really getting just uh, the most out of everybody's performances on that, on that one. You get great dynamic range, but also like, you know, it's what's more relatable than existentialism and uh, you know, pondering the fragility of your, of your life while listening to this uh, song about that very thing. Right. Yeah, dude. 
it, 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 it also, I mean, but it, it also makes you want to examine, like, you know, I mean, like the, the empathy, you know, that bef- maybe next time before we criticize somebody, maybe, you know, we have to think, you know, maybe my heart has never been broken. Um, it's e- you know, easy for us to be critical when we haven't been in their shoes. And I think that's a really cool, like, little, little message. And that one day, one day we're going to have our own trials too. And, and maybe that'll settle us down a little bit. Um, Jeremy, go. Oh, man. Okay. So I also originally had rope on there, but because uh, because I don't have a huge comments about either of the songs I have here, I'll just say them. Um, White Limo <laughs> is bonkers. <laughs> and yet, dude. somehow, but somehow, still an incredible hook. Like, that's the thing that's crazy about Dave Grohl is that this song is a cacophony of sound. It is mayhem. And yet, still nestled within all of that is this really pretty hook. And I just think it's it's awesome. Like, this really cool hook that if you strip it down, it's great. Lemmy was, from Motorhead was actually in that video, Andrew. Yes, I know. Driving the limo. And you know what's <laughs> funny is that, like, that song to me, like, especially with his distorted, the distorted vocal, it feels like it's missing from the first yep. record. I feel like it could have been on the debut. Uh-huh. Like, with Watershed, uh-huh. you know, um, Weenie Beanie. Yeah, it fell it's off. the same, same vein, only it's like, you know, obviously way better produced. It's a weird evolution of what they did yeah. 15 years before that. So, <laughs> crazy it's it's awesome yeah so i love that and it's craziness um and then just walk yeah which is just i mean it's a gorgeous song and i i sort of weirdly somehow even though i remember at the time it was played as much as anything in the whole world i kind of forgot it existed and so to kind of re-stumble upon it it's just a really brilliant song about starting over and i think that like i don't know i think that there's so many like let's start over create a new life songs that aren't done well yeah. and so when you actually do it well and it's not cheesy um that's something that that i think you've you've accomplished as a songwriter that that's unique and i think that that song does it really well and it's just you know obviously it's impeccably produced like it's just a really well put together song as well we ready for sonic highways incredible documentary like yeah, eight I've never songs seen it. I recorded in eight di- studios in eight different cities and each song tells a portion of the musical story of that city or some of the musical people there incredible. and uh so like from a songwriting challenge this is a really really cool effort and as a companion piece to the documentary it's awesome this album has a special place in my heart because it's when i realized it, this had happened all along but it's when i realized that every time the foo fighters put an, out a new album i get this rejuvenated love for music it happened every time, but I wasn't conscious of it until this album oh, came out. Awesome. Um, so I'll, I'll get us started here. And uh, mine are the very first two tracks. Uh, Something From Nothing, which is based on Chicago and recorded in, in Chicago. And then The Feast and the Famine, which is based around some of the musical history of D.C. and recorded in Washington, D.C., which is right near where Dave, you know, Dave grew up just outside of, of the D.C. area. His dad was actually a, a speech, a Republican speechwriter um, and a flautist. Uh, very, he played the flute really well, apparently. But Something From Nothing Thing, the way the lyrics capture uh, the story of Buddy Guy and um, the Chicago fire, here lies the city on fire. Um, it, um, so many little different references to that he took in the interviews that he had with these people as he was making the documentary. It just, it's awesome. And it just, it completely rocks. Like, like the way it goes, the dynamics in that song and the way he yells, bleep it all, I came from nothing. That really rings home for me because I've got this, I always have, I have this terrible um, uh, yeah. not inferiority complex. What do they call it? Imposter syndrome? Yeah, I do. I struggle with that because you know, in, in my high school, you, there were two sections of town and it was a very small high school and you either lived in the country club and <laughs> went to that elementary school or you lived on the different side of town and went to my school. And, th- and we typically on at the, my elementary school, we had less money all combined for one junior high, one high school. And so it was always this struggle between the preps and the rednecks. That was the two cultures that they <laughs> eventually by the time high school ended, most of us all got along. Okay. But it was right. really rough for a long time. And I always felt like my lack of money makes me no less important than you and i've always had a chip on my shoulder about that my wife has still has to get after me sometimes because i'll get a little redneck Mm. about some things sometimes and i'll be like you know you know i belong here too you can't tell me i don't that kind of thing and and just the line you bleep it all i came from nothing just really hits home for me i i I unleash on it um and then the feast and the famine is just such an incredible rocker it's just it 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 just speaks for itself it just it 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 just it's just such a good thrash song and uh, but still uh, approachable it's it's just that that 
back to that formula that Dave has. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Oh, man. So I'll go ahead and just take two others that I think like in a weird way, this this record felt like it was actually two parts, like it was one through four and one through four. Um, maybe that was just me listening to it, but it felt like it was almost supposed to be done that way. And so I'll take the finale on both of those, which is What Did I Do and God is My Witness um, with Gary Clark Jr., which is just like, holy cow. I literally, yeah. I wrote in my notes, all I wrote is a magical song of beauty uh, because that's exactly what it is. It's a perfect, it's a perfect <laughs> song. It's uh, it literally like I, I listened to it. It was just so taken back um, by just the talent of the two of them on that song. Uh, but the vocals, talk, I mean, it's just it's it's a really, really gorgeous, gorgeous song that does multiple things. Right. I mean, there's a reason that it's got two different titles. Um, and so it's it's a versatile song. They recorded that in the Austin on the Austin City Limits soundstage, by the way. It's so freaking dope. I mean, the whole I'm so excited to watch the documentary. I had no idea like shows what I know. I had no idea that they did that. I knew that they had released the album and I knew the premise behind like the recording. I had no idea that there was an accompanying uh, documentary with it. I don't know how that I missed that, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to get to watch it now. I found a message that I sent to Andrew back in 2016. Uh, listening through Sonic highways right now something from something from nothing and feast in the famine seemed to match my feelings walked out um to lunch during uh what did i do and god is my god is my witness uh-huh. And right as the first God is my witness hit, and when he says, you're going to heal my soul, um, once that rolls in, the clouds parted and the sun shined. (laughs) As I stated before, a magical song of beauty. (laughs) It is a magical song of beauty. (laughs) So the project is primarily the documentary. So listening to, um, this is on nonstop in my car right now, is their serious channel. And, um, they like, they have like explanations from like every band member, um, that like talk about songs and right before they, they did right before they played something from nothing, Chris Shiflett's talking on there about how he's like, we all view this record as a soundtrack more than an album because the documentary is the project. And then this is the soundtrack to it. Right. But that doubles it. How yeah. cool so, like, is that? Yeah, that's totally what it is. It, it's perfect for what the finale of the album is, which is uh, I Am a River, which, I mean, it talk about a cinematic score. It is yeah. beautiful, and the violins, and it's just one of those songs that, like, that's how anybody could only hope to end an album with just something that's that beautiful, and, and yeah, just, like, cinematic, and, like, you just kind of want to give yourself up to the song. Like, it just, it evokes so much emotion, and and so I just thought that that was beautiful. And obviously that was the one that was recorded in New York. Um, but it's just, there's something about it that's so, you know, I'm not, maybe it is something about the whole, like, you know, I, and I don't know if this was the same for you guys, but growing up on the East Coast, it was always like, like New York was like the destination. Like that was the place where it was like, if you wanted to to move somewhere to move out to be, you know, rich and famous and whatever, it, while LA was accessible, it wasn't like New York was something that was accessible and real. Um, and so I think when you're writing songs from the perspective of something that is like the cinema that is New York City and then you're creating something that has those types of, of elements yeah. to it within the song, I just think it, it that that's a recipe for making me love it. Very well put. Um, Andrew. Okay, my favorite songs on this record, again, gosh, it's like picking your children, right? Although they're not at all. Yep. Um, okay, I love Outside. I love it so much. Like the be- beginning of that. Yeah, that was a good one recorded out in Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. With jo- with Joe Walsh on guitar, his little his little guitar like thing where it, it like quiets down and you hear the... He's just... You know, like a very like early eighties yeah. Floyd going on there. And it's like just it's building, but like I, you hear yeah. Nate's bass like starting it off like I love how like I'm analyzing this just by like singing it. <laughs> Sing to me you. some but, more. Um I love the riff. I love everything about this song. It's just really cool. And it would not have sounded out of place like on one by one. Um, you know. My other one is Congregation with Zach Brown. Tremendous song. That's all I got. This album came out when we were living in Wilkes County and there was this little trail near our, our apartment and my wife uh, would go running at and I'd try to go run with her sometimes and it, it, this album had just come out so I w- I'd listen to that and I can't sit still like I can't just run and I so I'm like thrashing like jazzercise etc 
except for I'm, it's like thrasher size as I'm trying to like, my wife is trying to have like a nice, like concentrated jog by herself, maybe relax a little bit. And I am like just head banging right beside her the whole time and full on like mo- swinging my arms like I'm in the mosh pit. Like it's, it, but it was uncontrollable. It was so bad. And she was not impressed nor pleased or happy or anything. <laughs> and like, I've got my headphones on. So like, I just look like a total maniac, but, um, uh, but yeah, so that, that, yeah, that, that, that's the exercise routine I came up with, with this song. You can thrash her size to it. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I just took down my note. Um, all right. So next, um, concrete and gold 2017's concrete and gold. So we had another little three year gap here, but, um, I think it was well worth it. Um, Andrew, why don't you start us off on this one? Right. So dirty water, you guys, dirty mm-hmm. water. What a yes, beautiful sir. song. So he chose Greg Kirsten to, uh, produce this record who didn't know him at all. He didn't know Dave at all. He was only like, you know, surface level familiar with the Foo Fighters work. He's like this classically trained musician who's in this really cool, like art pop indie group with his, is it his wife or his, just his friend? I can't remember which, but the bird and the bee. And he, Dave like heard that like one of their songs in the car one day and was like, I got to find this guy. This is the guy we need to make our record with. This is where they they really did some crazy Sonic things. Ironically, the previous record was Sonic Highways. They did some crazy Sonic, crazy things sonically on this record uh, that they'd never tried before uh, that they continued into this in the, the new one. But Dirty Water, I just, I love um, how it starts and it's really pretty. And then it becomes like the rock in his tune on the record. And then um, the line, which to me sounds like a song that could have been on previous records as well. Hmm. Um, if it sounds like a really, it's just a really solid, really great Foo Fighters song. Yeah. It's such a great gradual build through the whole thing. It's, it's wonderful. Yep. My two are run. I just love how just like slow and quiet. And then it turns into just this. It's primal. Like nightmare. Yeah. Primal is a great way to put it. It was, it was someone to say like this nightmare. It's just like white zombie all of a sudden. And, uh, <laughs> and the video is just too good to be true. Although I'll never unsee those 90 year old prosthetic boobies for save. <laughs> Jane is still pissed that she saw that. <laughs> but yeah, such a great video. And the way it ends with like the old people chasing after the millennials who were like vaping in a, in a Prius or something like that. It's so good, but yeah. Oh yeah, one of my favorite videos ever. This one won them the best rock song Grammy in 2017, and it should have. Yeah, it should have. And then Dirty Water as well. I remember um, it was a few days after the album came out, and I'm in church, and I get in trouble <laughs> with Jane because I'm like, I'm, we're supposed to be listening, but like, you could almost like if someone had a video camera on me, you could you could see you could tell the build up of the song, like just the do 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 do, and then and like. Like, like, like I was shaking, like I was like just bobbing my head in, in church like and like she had to like get after me and I was like, I can't get it out of my head. I'm so sorry. And I, I think I remember I probably actually texted you right after that happened, Andrew. Um, it's like it's stuck in my head. Um, but yes, run and dirty water are my two. Jeremy. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, I just have to mention them quickly because of their relation to the Beatles and that Sunday rain is super cool because, uh, you know, Paul playing the drums on it. And I just think it's awesome. Real quick. That song sounds like the Beatles and the Eagles got together and made a baby inside the hotel, California called the Beagles. <laughs> oh, the, why hasn't anybody done that? Why hasn't anybody done the Beagles? <laughs> running with this idea we are going to create a i'm gonna say we're gonna do an it's either gonna be an eagles cover band where we make all the songs sound like the beatles or it's gonna (laughs) be a beatles cover band where we make all the sounds songs sound like the eagles you guys let me know what you want and we're gonna run with it from here obladi and oblada Sorry. Yeah, see? (laughs) We're going to be the Beagles. It's going to be great. Um, Okay, so I had to mention Sunday Rain. I had to mention uh, Happy Ever After because I think it sounds like a Paul McCartney little ditty that he would throw on a record. Andrew texted me on that song and he said, he said, this is Blackbird. It's Blackbird meets Martha here. You know, like it's... Yes, it's right there. It's right in Mm -hmm. in that sweet spot. But for me, I really, really love The Sky is the Neighborhood. I love a big chorus like that. I really do. I'm a sucker. And I love just a big vocal chorus with all sorts of, you know, big voices behind uh, the main vocal. And I just think it's, I think it's great. And I think it's just really cool. 
Um, and then because I'm, I don't have a choice, even though this is an unpopular thing to say right now, uh, make it right. Uh, I think is so cool. And, uh, Justin Timberlake has the backup vocals on that one. And I know I'm not allowed to like him right now, um, for, for a number of different reasons. Um, but it's built into my DNA and I don't have a choice. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, and just say that that song is incredible. Uh, and I think it's, it's such a vibe and it's like nothing I'd ever heard them do before that. Um, and, and it's like you mentioned, like, God, man, what a weird, what a weird stretch. The first six songs on that record are to go t-shirt run make it right sky is the neighborhood Lottie da and dirty water is just such a weird <laughs> run of songs and it's great yeah the way t-shirt explodes just oh i was just floored i was like this this is just so wonderful all right here we are the the newest album number 10 medicine at midnight 2021 just released at the beginning of this month it's still really early on and i know my opinions on this one are going to change i'm going to have an, another favorite top two eventually i think but um but yeah go ahead and get us started andrew so you know the song easy lover by phil collins you guys familiar with that song yeah <laughs> holding po- holding poison gives yes. me those vibes and i freaking adore it huh. like yeah yeah oh yeah i i uh i love that i love both those songs by the way holding poison great riffage super catchy and uh you know very dancey very dancey record this one it was dave said that this one has his most disco beats which that's he's he says those are his favorite drummers or disco drummers and he said that's he just went all out and made this a disco album yeah well dude you're hearing disco but you're hearing like prince yeah, on here sick. and like motorhead yeah. on here it is super sick so i love holding poison um and that's it's i can i tie can sure. i give a tie do it can i cloud spot cloud spotter freaking fun it's riff. so weird how like, that song starts out one way like yeah full-on disco but like by the chorus it's kiss it's a kiss song yeah <laughs> it's exactly what i thought too and then the single shame shame I um, as soon as shame shame came out, Yeti asked me, he's like, "What do you think of this?" I'm like, "Dude, this is it has some like some groove to it that I have just never like heard them explore, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, but in all of the good ways possible. I'm a sucker for when Dave like just uh, you know starts vocalizing his O's, you know, yeah, like (laughs) Andrew, that was funny. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) (laughs) there's your intro." Yep, I do it. I do it as soon as he did it. Shame, nailed it. But you know what I'm talking about when he just starts like you know not even singing words. It's just him like oh oh oing over things. Yeah, and he does that a lot. Like I mean, you know, in in Best of You, it, um, I think he said Taylor recorded those drums. It's just like a couple pieces of a set, like in the middle of a stairwell, if I remember right. Yeah, they they had a single mic at the top of like a stairwell, and then Taylor's like at the bottom of it just cracking away and then he's and they've recorded some hand claps like over it to do like the you know like kind of like the syncopated like yeah. uh, fire crackling through all all through it basically yeah that drum beat sounds like the crackling of a fire which is wonderful because he kind of based it on a dream he had when he was a kid of like a standing over a burning coffin in the middle of the rain which is they reproduced in the video just your run-of-the-mill child dream yeah totally i'm a kid this is what i dream about nighty night <laughs> um jeremy what about you all right so i'm gonna do two here one will be yeah all right so one is gonna be waiting on a war okay i know what he was trying to do with it and i think he even said that it was like his take on doing a give peace a chance i was gonna say it's very lenin yeah Yeah, and i i really like it um and i think that the song is very urgent in a lot of ways like it's supposed to be but the music is very like lyrically it's very urgent but then it's 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 a pretty relaxed song overall and so for it to sort of speed up in tempo frantically at the end and then have that urgency i think is really really cool um and a really cool way to write a song that has sort of the overarching themes that waiting on a war does so i think that it'll age well too um and then i'm gonna do i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna tie because we're at the end this is gonna be fun um so i think that uh loves dies young which ends the record is just a really great way to end a record um and it gives me really strong uh springsteen we take care of our own vibes like the way that that song is produced um which i know is that's funny that you hear that i hear the supremes (laughs) <laughs> yeah but no but that's funny though because in some ways it's the same thing where it's stripping it down to sort of like the old easy kind of doo-wop chorus right because that yeah. that's what's in we take of our 
take care of our own. It's a newer Springsteen song, but it is a it's an older sound in the way it's written. And then lastly, it's just a, a thing that came to my head immediately, and I really liked making a fire. Um, but it also sounded like a song to me that would be covered on Glee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and or high school musical, uh, and just, it's just a high school musical ass chorus. Like it's just that gospel, but like, it's not really gospel. It just sounds like a bunch of like kids in a show choir. And I just, it made me laugh. Like it was a really, really good song, but there was something about that one that made me think like, yep, the kids on Glee would do this. Well, sign me up for Glee then, because that's my favorite song on the album. It's so (laughs) good, right? I I texted Andrew before the song was even over. I was like, I was like, what is this opening? tune to a broadway musical like uh-huh. are, are they going to do a rock opera on on broadway or you know that that's that's the way it felt but it's exactly. it's it's such a departure from anything i've heard from they not a departure but it's just so different from anything i've ever heard from them and i was just really floored by it. i just love it the way the the different progressions the way they just work through each stage of that song with the backing vocals being so much more prominent on that than usual my daughter asked if their wives were singing Aww, on the on the album so <laughs> I, nice. I know i know <laughs> and just that line like I, I listened to it again over the weekend and the the line you know i've waited a lifetime to live it's time to ignite i'm making a fire i was like yeah you know <laughs> then number two on the album is no son of mine if dave were to say i wrote this after speaking at lemmy Kilmister's funeral i'd believe him so if you go listen to ace of spades you will hear the same guitar riff like it's very much ace of spades um and i love it though it's just so it's just such a fun rocking rocking song so no uh, making a fire and no son of mine those are my two um but man this has been a fun and much longer conversation than i'd thought but like that shows how little i know us because this is how we do this is how we roll every time yeah this is clearly how we do it this is how we do things and honestly i could have gone longer oh for sure oh me too but yeah no this has been so much fun jeremy you shouldn't sell yourself short on being able to talk foo fighters you did wonderful oh thanks so much Thank you so much for joining us. Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in, for talking with us on Twitter, um, engaging with us. It's so much fun. It's what, one of the things that makes this podcast enjoyable. Getting to talk with Jeremy is always enjoyable. You can find him on Twitter at Jeremy Taché. Go support him. Support um, what he's doing with Fox Sports Miami Heat and all the good things that he's involved in. Jeremy is awesome. Sarah Spain has referred to him as a rising star, and she's correct. And more than anything, he's our brother. Jeremy, that's what you put on the on the jacket sleeve of your, uh, of your first novel. Sarah Spain says he's a rising star. <laughs> Sarah Spain says I'm a rising star. That's perfect. That's right. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YesMaybeNoPod. Um, you can find me on Twitter at YetiBlanc underscore. You can also find me on Twitter at AndrewStreeter underscore. And once again, thanks for listening. And until next time, our, our food fighters, fighters the best. best. Yes, maybe, maybe no. no. Our food fighters, fighters the best. best. Yes, maybe, maybe no. no. They are. Listen to Yes, Maybe No. Subscribe, download, rate, review, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Or, uh, download it. Congratulate me, boys. I'm engaged. <laughs>